all you nerds, this is Nerdy by Nature. And in this episode, as we promised in our last episode, we'll be doing a Zombieland recap, full on. So, Zombieland, the original from 2009, and then of course the 10-year hiatus that was, and Zombieland Double Tap from 2019, featuring the entire same cast all back. And Charlie, this is just a, a fun series. It's more or less a, a Zomcom that's as termed <laughs> by Emma Stone. And you know, it's just a, a lot of fun to watch. Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Breslin, they all came back and really didn't miss much of a beat. And I just think it's one of those that's that's fun for everybody to watch. And it's not one of those classic, like, oh my gosh, best film of all time type deal. But we just wanted to have a little light episode before we get into all the heavy Disney Plus content that's coming. And right. Superhero movies on the horizon. And we start to get into our, uh, our busy season. Right. I like Double Tap a lot. Uh, we saw it in theaters. What day was that? Last Friday? Yeah. It was really enjoyable and it felt exactly like the first one. I mean, it, they didn't skip a beat. Everything felt the same. It didn't feel like a money grab or anything like that. So you can usually tell, you know, especially in Hollywood when it's a, a cash grab or a cash cow that they just want to milk and get as much right, right. as much money out of it as possible, and they don't really think about the the fan base or who's watching. For you know, for example, we'll say Men in Black Two. Right. You know, just just to throw one out there. Yeah. For, for example. Yeah, Men in Black kind of went downhill after the first one. Uh, they really should have just stopped at the first one. The first one was a classic. It was. It was uh, had, hadn't been done before. It was original. You know, but yeah, let's be, be honest. The second one was just a cash grab of callbacks to the first one. Agreed. <laughs> but fortunately for you all, the listeners, Zombieland Double Tap was not that at all. I, I, as we said before, as we'll say throughout this episode, it really stayed true to the first one. And I liked the way that they accepted the directors. Accepted that 10-year gap. Didn't shy away from it. Didn't try to gloss over it in any way, shape, or form. They just addressed it right out of the gate. And of course, we'll get into that later in the episode. But we'll go ahead and logically start with a quick re- recap and highlights of Zombieland, the first one. Right. And so at this point, it'd be a good time to let you, the listener, know, as we do with all of our movie reviews or graphic novels, spoiler alert, <laughs> we are about to go into heavy detail both in Zombieland and Zombieland Double Tap, which is now in theaters. So if you haven't had a chance to see either of those, Zombieland is available streaming on Netflix, uh, possibly other platforms, but we know Netflix for sure just dropped this month. Right. Been perfect time for Zombieland Double Tap. And then Zombieland Double Tap should be available in theaters near you. I'm not sure where you live, but... (laughs) You know, odds are it's probably in a theater near you. I would say so. So, Charlie, let's go ahead and, and go right into Zombieland, the original. And so it's one that starts out with Jesse Eisenberg playing, we later come to find out, Columbus or Columbus, Ohio. He's in college mm-hmm. in Texas. And Ground Zero or Patient Zero is someone that's affected by, I believe it's a burger with, I think it's either poor, poorly cooked or maybe partially raw meat that was infected with mad cow disease. And so that turns into a strain of a different virus that makes humans more aggressive. And of course, they eventually become zombies. Right. Yeah, it eventually kills them. But the first movie, like going back and watching it, I watched it earlier this week. I was really worried that it might feel dated or might not work as well after 10 years or that it would feel different from Double Tap because we saw Double Tap and then we went back and watched the first one. But it felt exactly the same 
as it did when I first watched it. Still hilarious. Everybody's great in the role, and I forgot how much I enjoyed the movie. Right, and for me, going back and watching it, I got that immediate sense of nostalgia because I, I had to think, I was like, you know, man, yeah, this is 2009. Where was I? What was I doing? Oh, yeah, I was in college. And so, right. you know, I brought back college memories, and my buddies watching it in the dorm room. And so uh, it's just one of those movies I, I hadn't really seen a zombie movie quite like it. You know, we've seen, like, the Night of the Evil Dead, or Living Dead, I should say. Right. Uh, you know, various things. Mixing up different. Right, yeah. Zombie Mash, films. Mashing the mashing other zombie films. They're all, you know, similar. Yeah. Uh, but this one was, was different in a good way because we really didn't get much of a, up until that point, I don't think we had much in the way of a comedy zombie movie. We tried to do our research, maybe. But for me, to, from my recent memory, it's one that I think was, you know, kind of a, just a, a different direction that was enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think that there's been any kind of comedic zombie film either. I could be wrong, but I've not seen one. It felt very different from a lot of the zombie movies that, that have come before it, and and so it was funny at some points, but it still had a serious edge to it at a lot of points in the movie, and so it made it a lot more enjoyable that they were able to take some of that seriousness away. I think it was nice, too, because most of the characters were, were pretty relatable. You know, take, Definitely. Take Eisenberg's character as Columbus, for example. This is somebody that was kind of a poindexter, just, you know, too good gentleman in college, loner. Oh, yeah. Wasn't really much in the way of making friends or didn't really care much for society as a whole. And even when they turned into zombies, he missed them a little bit, but was still kind of like, well, this isn't much different than... Well, I can can relate a lot to his character just in the fact that he said that he was very much a loner and didn't really interact with people or actually even leave his apartment or dorm room, whatever you want to call it, at all other than to go to class is basically what it sounds like. He stayed at home and played on his computer, played WoW and other games. And I will say that before I started working at Walmart, I had a similar, like, I wasn't like him. Like, I did leave and do things, but it, but I, in my past, I have had sicknesses and illnesses that caused me to be stuck at home a lot and so so I really connected with his character in that regard because once I started working for Walmart and once I got into college that was the first time that I really left the house and really got to know people and talk to people and went out and did things you know things of that nature so I really liked his character in that regard absolutely and you know Columbus is this character that when you first see him on the screen he doesn't quite fit the bill or, right. or look like somebody that would survive Survive in this zombie apocalypse wasteland. But one of our favorite parts of both films, and we get introduced to this, of course, in Zombieland, is his set of rules mm-hmm. that he lives by. And he narrates and, and tells us some of the rules that he lives by. And the first one is cardio. <laughs> it makes sense. You yeah. probably need to be able to outrun these zombies. Right. Or at least be in good enough condition to have the endurance to get away or man- maneuver. Right. And then rule number two is probably everyone's favorite, you know, just a given, is the double tap. And that is when in doubt, make sure that they are dead. Right. You shoot them once, and then you'll shoot them again, so the double tap. And then one of the cuter rules that he gets along the way after he meets one of the other main characters, Tallahassee, or Buddy Harrelson's character, is number 32, and that's enjoy the little things. Because, you know, it is the apocalypse. Everything's pretty well bummer or, de- right. or depression or lonely. Right. And so it's like, you, you should take some time to, hey, you're still human. It's still reality. You should enjoy the little things. Right. And he actually ends 
up meeting Tallahassee because he himself, Columbus, is trying to, his whole goal is to get out of his little college Texas town and get back home to Columbus, Ohio. And right. so he's headed east, and in that eastward direction he runs into Woody Harrelson's character, Tallahassee. Right. Yeah, it's, it's what gets him out of his, his apartment is the fact that he hasn't heard from his family since all this has happened. And so, like I said, he's a loner, so he doesn't normally do this kind of thing. But obviously anybody with a family is going to try and contact or find them first and foremost. So he ends up leaving and comes across Woody Harrelson's character, Tallahassee, as Columbus is just walking down the highway. And I'm guessing that his, he just couldn't find another car after he wrecks his car. So, so that had to be a long walk through the night. Right. And so Tallahassee's in a Cadillac. And it's interesting because every vehicle he comes across, he puts... He conveniently finds paint, or else he has paint on him. I think he has the paint on him. Probably. In each instance. Because it's usually a black or white style. True. So I feel like he has like a bucket of black paint and a bucket of white paint. Right. I would think. I'd theorize. Right. So anyway, he paints a three on the side of his car on every car that he drives. He comes across Columbus driving down the highway, and... Columbus is still walking. Right. At this point. Just giving you a hard time. <laughs> Anyhow... So Tallahassee stops his car and gets out, guns drawn, and Columbus draws his gun as well. And so they have their first interaction, and I guess just because Columbus puts his thumb out, then Tallahassee's like, okay, I guess you're good. And they so now they're together. Right, he gives him the universal hitchhiking thumb, and Tallahassee is like, you know, hey, there's not really that many humans left. We right. should probably stick together. At least I'll get to know who this guy is and give him a ride so far, see what his, his story is. Right. And I want to go back to the, the three that Tallahassee paints on all of his vehicles, because to be honest, I think for both of us going back and watching this movie, we had some scenes or moments where we thought they went a certain way and then we had to rewatch the film and realize oh no it actually went a different way or there were different meanings behind it and so I could have swore up and down initially back when I watched it in college mm -hmm. that he had a conversation with Columbus and explained that the reason he went with number three was because of the NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt and I think a lot of people just kind of implied that with right. his particular character because let's be honest him being from Tallahassee and his accent, Woody Harrelson's character, very much so comes across as this sort of redneck, kind right. of backwoods country boy who is ready for the apocalypse, the poster boy, right. really, for the apocalypse. And oh, yeah, he, he seems to be enjoying himself to some degree. Right, like he's kind of been almost, I don't want to say waiting for this day or a doomsday prepper, but he was well prepared right. for proverbial crap to hit the fan. Right, he's definitely not the type to really hunker down and try and stay away from things. He is more than willing to fight the zombies. He's even got a battering wedge on the front of the Cadillac Escalade. That's true. That's true. I forgot barreling, about that. Barreling through cars. I forgot about that part. And the medium. Um, and so that's just, it's interesting that I, I remembered that one way and then I had to watch the, the movie again to realize, no, they actually never had that conversation. And a, a cool theory, the reason I brought it up, right. a cool theory that I saw in doing research before we reviewed both of these films is that Harrelson's character, Tallahassee, may have also 
went with number three because that was roughly the age of his child that he lost due to the zombie apocalypse. So I thought, or it could even be a combination of both. Right. Yeah. It's never really explained how he loses his son because for the first half of the movie, he acts like it's a puppy, and then they have a realization later when he's telling the story that no, he's talking about a kid, not a puppy. And so it. I mean, and that scene is really a touching, serious moment in this otherwise comedic movie. Like I said, it does have some serious parts to it. Oh, for sure. That's a, a moment that definitely tons at your heartstrings, I think. Oh, yeah. And so we're back on the road with Tallahassee and Columbus, and they are on their way, both headed east, because of course, logically, Columbus is east, eastern direction, and so is Tallahassee from Texas. Right. And at this point, we realize that Tallahassee really isn't feeling columbus all that much <laughs> right they are polar opposites as far as personality is concerned and he says i'll get you to about Texarkana." and columbus says hey you know what it's closer than me going by foot so sure and right. on their way tallahassee happens to see a hostess truck and he comes to a stop and columbus is sort of questioning him he's like um yeah i see that's a, a hostess truck tallahassee right. but what's the big deal and he's like uh there could be a twinkie <laughs> or, or, or twinkies Right. in this hostess truck and so you the viewer are like all right i mean yeah twinkies are pretty good but then it hits you it's like you have to remind yourself well it is the apocalypse maybe he hasn't had hostess in a while right or they want a snack for the road and so of course he gets down to the twinkie what he hopes is a twinkie truck but it's just a basic hostess truck and it's one of those just funny comedic moments where he opens it up and it's literally nothing but individually wrapped <laughs> snowballs right which i think we often agree is most everyone's least favorite hostess product right and there's they're not even in a box, though. That's what's funny. They're not. Just, they come dumping out of the back of the truck. Just all loosey-goosey. Right. Just sh- you know, I pictured them like shifting around in right. the truck when it was actually being driven. Right. And, and I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel for him in this, this point in the movie because there was a, a brief point in history, a horrible time in history, where Hostess didn't exist. And I, I don't remember how long it was. It might have been a year, but you could not get a Twinkie, and it was a rough time for me. So I feel for him. So that uh, that, that that hostess moment hit home for <laughs> yes, you. Yes, it did. <laughs> the funniest part that cracks me up is his reaction of snowballs. <laughs> yes. They're all snowballs. <laughs> Nobody likes. Nobody snowballs. likes snowballs. <laughs> and of course, no surprise. Columbus is like, I actually don't mind snowballs. I like coconut. <laughs> and so it's just there back and forth. It's like his dismay is Columbus's. <laughs> I'm, yeah, okay, with I'm this. okay with this. I'm indifferent. So that's just a funny dynamic that you see building between those two. And so from there, Definitely. they move on and find grocery store because we find out very quickly that Woody Harrelson's character Tallahassee isn't necessarily just going to let this Twinkie situation go. Oh, his, no, his, a, his character arc is to find It's an ongoing Twinkie. thing through the rest of the movie. And so they have a, a couple different zombie kills of rather husky, <laughs> overweight zombies in the, the grocery store. Which are the first people that Columbus says are going to go in a zombie apocalypse, which is why cardio is the rule, number one. Rule, rule. number one. It's, so. it's important. You know, make sure you get that cardio down. Right. Or you might turn into a zombie. Exactly. And we get to see uh, just how awesome Tallahassee is at what he does in this apocalyptic zombie land. He's got a baseball bat. <laughs> he starts out with a banjo. Mm-hmm. Then he's got a pair of hedge clippers. Saves him for the biggest guy possible. Right. Because at one point, Columbus is like, no, here's my gun. Take him out. And he's like, no, no. <laughs> I'm just going to take a little off the top. <laughs> and you start to 
figure out that they again that's where rule 32 sort of comes from is enjoy the little things and right in that they try to have a little bit of fun with their zombie kills and so you hear harrelson's character throughout the film asking zombie kill of the week right and so you get to figure out and see what that is and so people across the world are reporting to one another i'm assuming over maybe what like mail letter or they still have a phone service right you don't really know because columbus is like he keeps, no he, he keeps tabs yeah no this is not the zombie kill of the week and then he'll tell a story of a random person that he likely never met in the movie and shows just this interesting zombie kill which the i mean the best one by far between both movies in my opinion even though the one in double tap is is heightened and you know turned, Definitely. Up, turned up to 11 right i still think for comedic purposes the one in, the original one in zombie land of the piano just oh yeah old lady was... old lady pulling the, the the lever and a piano falling looney tune style yeah it was straight hilarious. out of the looney tunes it was great and yeah. so they're you know they're jarring back and forth and we get that scene and then of course and we might even get that scene actually a little bit later because they've already met the two new characters that we're about to be introduced to and so once, right. once they've cleared out the grocery store they're searching around and of course Tallahassee's still looking for his elusive Twinkie <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and in the corner in the back stock of the grocery store we see Emma Stone's character come out Wichita yeah. and so they're like oh more people mm-hmm. well let's investigate see what they're up to she of course is trying to play the damsel in distress can you help us please help us well who is us mm-hmm. and so they go in the back and they see that she has a sibling and she says this is my sister Little Rock yeah, I think she's been bitten don't tell her don't freak out and so at that point to the viewer unbeknownst to what's really about to happen it's like oh no are we about to get our first touching sad moment here like you know this is her little sister who could very well in a few moments become a zombie like that could be hard to watch or hard to deal with right and they they definitely like planned this out very dramatically i mean they have the whole situation where they're like okay well we need to take her out before she turns and this little girl is like in agreement with this and so they like start to shoot her and the sister's like no it should be me let me do it which i never understood that in movies why do people think it should be me to do these kinds of things i I guess i mean i understand why they're doing it because this whole elaborate plan was for them to get the gun from the guys to turn on them but just you always see that in movies like people are like no it should be me to do this like what is that why i guess maybe (laughs) they're portraying how some people will often get a fleeting moment of heroism yeah or (laughs) i'm not sure it's just always seemed kind of odd to me but anyway so they do all that and the guys give the, the older sister the gun and so then they naturally they turn on them and the girl hasn't really been bitten and they it's take it's a trap yeah oh it's the wrong movie <laughs> yeah. yeah it is but they take all their stuff and their car and leave the guys stranded there which is really that's a really messed up thing to do in the zombie apocalypse but anyhow so yeah and they they take right off and they leave Tallahassee and Columbus essentially in the dust you know like good nice knowing you thanks for the ride right we'll be seeing you and so of course those two have to then regroup and backtrack and they wind up in the town that presumably had the grocery store and so they're trying to find a new vehicle Mm -hmm. and another funny comedic moment is Columbus is pointing out all of these perfectly usable vehicles right. and Tallahassee says that is a nice minivan good, good eye Columbus <laughs> and he takes a crowbar 
and goes over and proceeds to destroy the minivan. The minivan. Yeah. Because it, we see that he is a, somewhat of a man of, of class when it comes to vehicle. And he, right. he's going to drive. He's going to ride in style. And he wants something that is more functional, heavier, presumably wipe out as many zombies as possible. And to right. be honest, I get it. You know, when you're given the choice in an apocalyptic world between a minivan and, say, oh, I don't know, an Escalade, like he had. Right. I get it. And Agreed. so they actually get into this little neighborhood and come across a very nice vehicle, a <laughs> large yellow Hummer. Right. And inside the Hummer is a jackpot. They've got all kinds of weapons, all kinds of ammunition. I believe at one point Tallahassee even says, you know, i got a big vehicle and big guns. Yeah, and there's even a montage of him, you know, just taking out the weapons and shooting them before they take off in this Hummer. And I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, might want to conserve ammo, but that doesn't seem to be an issue with them in this world because they waste a lot of ammo. And then they have their rule of double tap, which is honestly a good rule to have when dealing with zombies. Oh, for sure. And of course, the way that they actually come upon the the guns initially is by Columbus following one of his other rules, and that is always check the back seat. Right. And so they find that treasure trove of ammo and weapons, and so they're back on the road, hot on the trail for Wichita and Little Rock, because at this point, I think it's just personal for Tallahassee. He wants to find them and figure out why they felt the the need to con them out of the first vehicle. Right. And so they're driving down the road, and they come across the black Escalade that they previously had, and there's no sign of Little Rock or Wichita, and so they go up to the vehicle, and they're, they like start to both go up, and then they decide, you know, Tallahassee says, you know, stay back with the vehicle, I'll go up and check it out. And so Tallahassee goes up there, and he's looking through the, the Escalade, and there's no sign of the girls anywhere. Although there is a big haystack right out in the field beside the vehicle, so you would think that he would say, hey, maybe I'll check behind that haystack, knowing that these girls, you know, are con artists. But no, he doesn't think that way. And so thinking everything is clear, he signals for Columbus to come down to meet him. And once Columbus gets down there, Tallahassee looks in the car, and who does he see but who is Little Rock in the back seat holding a gun to Columbus? And he's like, Are you serious? Again? You really get duped again? And then Wichita pops up from behind the haystack and, with a gun and comes to the vehicle. And so they've been duped again. But from then on out, they're all four of them are together. They don't really split up again after that. No, they, they finally realize, you know, hey, we need to work together. We're all human. And I believe it's even Columbus that has the, the breakdown moment of, okay, can we just get all guns off of each other and just be on a road trip and play I Spy and just remember that we're, right actually, that, that we're actually human beings in a zombie apocalypse here? Like, have we forgotten that? Right. Like, let's just help each other, you know, and they figure out where are you guys trying to go? And of course, Wichita and Little Rock explain, you know, we're trying, I'm trying to get her to the West Coast, Pacific Playland. Supposedly there are no zombies there. Right. Of course, as you had mentioned, and we had talked about this before this episode, there seems to be in almost every zombie-related or apocalyptic disease-ridden movie this safe haven, if you will, where they can go that the disease either hasn't reached or they've got it quarantined or there are no zombies or walkers or whatever you want to call them. All right, so from then on out, they're together, and during their road trip, like, they decide to tell the girls that they'll get them to Pacific Playland, and Harrelson's character, Tallahassee says before we get you there we need to go to one place once they get to Los Angeles 
Texas. And so during their road trip, though, we get a little more information about the different characters. They get closer. They, you know, open up a little more to each other. And so they're really a group by the time they get to Los Angeles. And (laughs) one of the better, more comedic and tragic moments of the movie comes from when they get to Los Angeles. Because the one place that Tallahassee has to go to, we find out, is Bill Murray's house. Which is a great choice. If you, it if is. You, if you've got to choose a celebrity's house, it's, it's not a bad spot to pick. Definitely. So, once they get there, they're in Bill Murray's house and they're trying, you know, they're searching it out to make sure it's safe. And so they decide to stay the night. And while they're searching it out, you end up seeing something get off a of bed and it doesn't really show you who it is or what it is. You think it's a zombie, basically. It kind of just gets up and starts walking through the house and comes across Wichita and and Tallahassee first, and so they almost shoot him, but they they realize that it's not a zombie, and because Tallahassee hits him like over the. Actually, it, Wichita cracks him with the golf club. That's who it is. Okay, Wichita cracks this zombie in the back with her golf club, and all of a sudden it screams out, and you realize that he's not dead and he's not a zombie, and it's in fact Bill Murray in the flesh, he, in the flesh, playing himself, and he's just he says that he learned how to do makeup from. From his time in the movies, and so he figures out that if he dresses up like a zombie, then he can, you know, leave the house and go do things. He said he sort of blend in, right, and still be able to live his life. And so after that, it's just a lot of funny, oh, all kinds moments. of shenanigans and a hangout session with Bill Murray because I mean, why not? Definitely, <laughs> of course, they do what anybody would do with Bill Murray. Uh, unfortunately, all <laughs> the while, Columbus and Little Rock are watching one of his classic films, Ghostbusters. And he's showing her, like, I can't believe you've never watched Ghostbusters. Let's fix that right now. And so Bill Murray says, oh, there's more of you in the house. Okay, cool. Tell me about him. Oh, so it sounds like Columbus is a little... You know, shy and easy to scare, right? Well, watch this. This will be hilarious. And man, I knew as soon as they did that, I was like, "You knew it was oh, coming." Oh no, this is not going to end well. No. And so, while they're watching the movie, Bill Murray decides to go in and scare them. And he, you know, Columbus is a very trigger happy, easy to freak out person. And so he walks up to him, dressed like a zombie, and without thinking or talking or anything, Columbus just jumps up with his gun and shoots. Bill Murray in the stomach. And full slug right to the chest. And it's just so sad and funny and traumatic all at the same time. A mixture of emotions. Definitely. For, for Murray. And so Tallahassee and Wichita run in saying, No, what did you do? And so while he's, I guess, passing away, they're all, you know, saying, I'm so sorry, and at least Columbus is more than the others. Understandably. Right. And so then Bill Murray dies, and they dispose of his body and then stay the night in his house. And... That particular evening, they start to realize, of course, they being Wichita and Little Rock, that they're becoming more attached to the idea of sticking with Columbus and Tallahassee. And even more so with Wichita and Columbus, there starts to develop a little bit of a romantic chemistry that's been building a little bit throughout the film, but starts to come more to a surface or a head here at the Murray Mansion. And then from there, the next morning, they realize, nope, our plan is just us. 
we, we're here for one thing, and that's to get you to Pacific Playland and ditch these guys. It's, it's just us. We can't, you know, if we add more people, we get vulnerable, we can't get hurt. Nope, it's, let's get out of here. Right. And so they leave them a third time. <laughs> With their car again. And so Tallahassee and Columbus, just at first, they just kind of decide, well, okay, they left us. So we're just going to go on on our merry way. And so the next thing you really see is Wichita and Little Rock getting to Pacific Playland. And, of course, it's all locked up, but they just burst through the gates with their car. And so... (laughs) This is one of the dumber parts of the movie, I would say. Which it's understandable because Wichita is trying to give Little Rock a little bit of her childhood back and trying desperately to help her have her childhood back. And so she goes and turns on all the rides and lights and, and you know, you would think it would go through their mind that maybe lights and noise and all that wouldn't be a good idea. But like I said, they're young and she's trying desperately to give her sister one last shred of hope and so while they're on one of the rides a whole swarm of zombies show up and they get stuck on one of the rides and columbus and tallahassee realize this and tallahassee being somewhat indifferent like look you know they've left a few times Mm, i'm gonna go on my way if you want to be the hero kid knock yourself out right he he almost kind of sort of does that in a way he hops on a a moped or motorcycle (laughs) right and says well all right i'm gonna go be the hero you do what you need to do Nice knowing you tell. Which is another funny thing. One of his rules is don't be a hero. And funnily enough, by the end of it, it gets switched to be a hero. But anyway. And he mentions that, you know, sometimes rules are made to be broken or meant to be broken, you know, revised one of the two. Fortunately for Columbus, Tallahassee has a change of heart, seeing him topple over before he even gets out of the driveway and realizes, all right, you know, you all need my help. Let's go, go save the day, Columbus. Let's get your girl. Right. And so they want end up in Pacific Playland, and then it's just essentially a climactic finish of a bunch of zombie kills of the week Definitely. throughout the entire amusement park. And in a roundabout way, that's where you can kind of see where they got the main title for the movie. You know, they're in Pacific Playland. They're knocking out a bunch of zombies. Zombie land. Definitely. So, there you go. And so, they end up, you know, saving the day and saving the girls. And Wichita and Columbus end up pretty much together. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. Because they all ride off together. They do. And uh, we get one last comedic moment that's just too good not to bring up and that is of course Tallahassee finally comes across his elusive Twinkie the search <laughs> has ended it's a deep fried Twinkie stand and so he knows that in order to make deep fried Twinkies one has to have Twinkie. regular Twinkies <laughs> right stands to reason right and so he sees that there's this closet as he's looking through and he's like this is false false advertisement there are no Twinkies in here and then they hear a ruffle in the closet and of course being trigger happy Columbus shoots at it. Mm-hmm. They open the closet, some mice run out, and lo and behold, poor Tallahassee, to his dismay, the only box of Twinkies is Buckshot. And so he leaves realizing, you know what? Just gonna let it pass. It wasn't meant to be. And sure enough, Little Rock was able to grab a lone Twinkie and she hurls it over to him in his entire day. I'm pretty sure his entire year. Right. In this movie. Yeah. Is made in that moment. It's pretty much made and they all decide that they're gonna stay together for the duration and so they kind of ride off together and that's the end of the movie. It's uh, important to note 
that Emma Stone's character, Wichita, is the only character in this film to actually reveal her first name to Columbus after he saves her life. Leans in and says, you know, by the way, it's Krista. Oh, I didn't even remember that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's a little moment that you have to listen for, but right. she, she actually reveals that at the very end. Okay, interesting. All right, which brings us to Into our... Zombieland and Devil Tap. Definitely. The sequel, 10 years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> which everybody felt like was too late, but thankfully I think it's doing well enough that if they decide to do a third one, then I think that they will do a third one. Right, there's there's room potentially for a third one to, to be done, and of course what took so long for the second one is it just spent a, a lot of time in purgatory as far as being written and developed and just kept getting pushed off and kept getting pushed off and with that 10 year hiatus of course what ended up picking up steam was the show The Walking Dead and so we all more or less thought as a regular moviegoer that of course in between that not just The Walking Dead but a slew of zombie movies followed it kind of felt like that particular genre had been overdone right and everybody was pretty well past like oh, okay you know we we get it we've seen this before it's a little late for a zombie land sequel well and, and the consensus seemed to be that the first one was a success from what I remember and everybody was like why did it take 10 years especially as popular as zombie movies and TV shows and all of that has been so the fear was that it is a little too late to do it or that it would feel different or not you know not transfer over well after this long but thankfully I don't think that's the case I feel like it's it's just as good as the first one and feels the same everybody feels the same and they even address the fact that it's been 10 years so i mean i think they did it right and the general consensus from what i've read is that everybody enjoyed the movie just it feels like it's there was no reason for it to be as long as it was you know right and and i think they did a really good job of not shying away from the fact that, that it had been 10 years they just rolled right along with it and they like you said addressed it in the very beginning of the film and they let you know right away that it's been 10 years plus. Of course, Eisenberg brings back his classic narration style as Columbus and explains to everyone it's been a while. You know, to be specific, about 10 years, and they show you that they've found a safe haven in the White House, of all places. Right. And so they made that their home for about the better part of a decade. And of course, everyone has aged, so of course, Abigail's character is now, you know, Little Rock has become went from innocent child to young woman, a little over you know her early 20s there, and and so they are all still a successful unit, but they've been together for a while and they're just starting to realize, you know, each one of them kind of wants something a little bit different at this point. They've enjoyed the little things as long as they could, but right. like most good things, they have to come to an end. Right, and they've been together for so long that it, it feels like Tallahassee has more or less become a father figure to Little Rock, especially, because there's a lot of themes in it, like meeting boys and all that, that kind of go along with being a father to a younger girl and and so it all works really well to me and we find out that the zombies have like evolved a little bit in the last 10 years and so there's like four different kinds of zombies and they go through and tell each one if you want to go through them oh yeah and then the, the types are, are pretty funny so the the first one the one that's the, the least i believe they go by method of what they're they're most fearful of right and so the least fearful are called homers or you know trademark to homer simpson just somebody that's not quite all there or very (laughs) bright right and so of course that particular brand of zombie is one that is just kind of moping around or 
will chase after you, but you can get away from them pretty quickly or take them out with you know very little effort. And then after that, you get the Stephen Hawking-style zombie, right. and that's one that is a little bit above average intelligence, and they can open up doors if they need to. I believe in the movie specifically, we see one pull out an eyeball that uses retinal recognition, right. and so they, they know how to get around and, and chase after you, so you need to be quicker on your feet and a little bit smarter to outwit this particular brand right. of zombie. After that, we get the silent but deadly ninja zombie, where you won't really hear them. The last thing you'll notice is seeing them, either gnawing at your ankle or coming at you full force and then the last and most deadly is what they dubbed the t-800 <laughs> namely right. after the uh, terminator 2 robot that just keeps coming is super hard to kill and the double tap rule doesn't even apply and that's one of the funnier moments right in the movie when they meet their first t-800 is they notice right away that they shoot it one to two times and then they continue to shoot it and they pull up throughout both films they'll put up the number and the rule in bold and kind of use it in the environment and so you see it say double triple quadruple however many taps it takes right yeah and it, it's really funny because they they use that style in both the first and second movie i really like how they would show the different rules and stuff on the screen and they would kind of put it in the environment where you could see it but it was almost like it was really in their real life and but what was funny was is they never really con seemed concerned about the T-800s. They just sat there and kept shooting it. You know, I mean, like, it wasn't like a, oh my god, we're gonna die because we can't stop this thing. They just kept going until it was finally stopped. And so it was just funny to see that they've been doing this for ten years, so they're not really afraid, per se, of these zombies. They're just a lot more adequate at killing them and more comfortable at this is an everyday thing. We just have to take these out. You know, oh, yeah, take them take them as they come right absolutely and before they meet their first t-800 because they've only really heard stories about that latest strain of super zombie if you will right and again how they are talking to other people or getting these stories we don't know but but uh, evidently it's assumed or implied that there's some means of communication <laughs> right so we'll, we'll roll with that yeah because you know it's movie logic exactly <laughs> and so uh, before they actually come across their first t-800 we get introduced to two sub characters that are new for the first time because we realize very much so like we said earlier in the second movie they are all sort of ready to start on different paths whether it's Tallahassee wanting to hit the road again Wichita fearful that Columbus is getting too close wants to be certainly more serious as he's about to pop the question she has mixed feelings about marriage in general in this post-apocalyptic world right and of course Little Rock the grown up wants to find people more her age she's tired of being the little girl the group right and she wants to explore and have her own life it's understandable from every aspect right and she's even kind of reluctant to allow tallahassee to be a father figure to her and is not really sure about that and in doing so she actually scampers off and tries to flee and look for somebody else her age or at least just get out of the white house and quite literally runs away from home <laughs> right which leads to Wichita following suit. And then, of course, at that point, here we are again, sort of a similar plot, where they run off. This leaves Tallahassee and Columbus behind. Mm -hmm. They mull over their options. And while they do so, they mull it over in a mall, and they're going back and forth, and they come across a new character in a, I believe they're in a candle store, somewhere thereabouts. Yeah. And her name is Madison, of course, being from Madison, Wisconsin. Right. And it's played by Zoe Deutsch, and 
and she's a relatively up-and-coming actress. She's played in some other films, and I think this might be one of those that actually eventually gets her into quite a bit more. Right. And it's because, in my opinion, comedically, she sort of stole some of the screen shine. Oh, definitely. From Harrelson and from Eisenberg, two talented, well-versed, you know, actors that know how to do comedy, whether it's deadpan or, right. you know, really yucking it up. And she does it in such a way that, yes, she plays the stereotypical ditzy blonde, which could rub some people the wrong way. Well, and it, it's funny because what actually happens is, is that, you know, Wichita realizes that he's going to pop the question. So she gets kind of antsy and not sure about that. And so her and Little Rock, actually, they leave together. And, and so while they're gone... After they leave, they come across Madison and everything, and Madison and and Columbus end up kind of having a romantic moment, or, you know, they're attracted to each other, basically, and so Madison ends up going back to the White House with them, and Madison and Columbus share the night together, and then the next day, Wichita comes back and says that Little Rock has left her to go be with this guy that they came across, and so she needs their help to find her again. And obviously this being a very inopportune time for her to show back up after Columbus and Madison have had the night together. And, I mean, which is understandable, she left. So, I mean, she pretty much ended it right there, you know. So you can't really blame the guy, but it was awfully quick to go from her to this new girl. So, anyway. From there, they go on. They, they are on the search, essentially, for Little Rock because she does ditch Wichita there once they both leave for this new particular sub-character called Berkeley. Which I really didn't care for that character personally. It, but It was a different character for sure. And it's one that I don't know that was 100% necessary, but it was still funny, and I think they, they knew their audience right. of, of why they, they had that particular style of character. And I just, if you think about it, in the sense of the film as a whole, they needed him to be that particular character to wind up where they, they wind up. Right. And as far as this particular character is Berkeley, Berkeley, California, mm-hmm. and I believe the actor's name is Avin Jogia. Right. And so uh, he comes along, he's this poser, singer-songwriter with nothing more than a guitar a pacifist, somewhat of a hippie, right. you might say. Doesn't carry a gun or anything. Does not. And somehow, he has managed to miraculously survive right. this that, zombie wasteland. That was a little bit puzzling to me, but... But again, movie logic, you just accept it and move on. Right. And so she goes along with him. It's something different. He's close to her age. It's a boy. you know, Or in this case, a young man that she's very much interested in because it's something different. It's something right. for her. And so Wichita realizes this, realizes is also, though, that, you know, hey, she's out there in the open with a guy and his guitar right. who's a pacifist. Who's not going to be able to protect her. Who's not going to be able to protect her. So they have to, again, much like they did in the, the first film. Well, we find out that there's a, another promised land type area where there's supposedly no zombies and blah 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 right and it's called babylon right and of course before that we should back up a little bit they were celebrating a christmas in november just, right. just because and of course woody harrelson's character tallahassee was drawing on and on about graceland and how much he would really love to go see the, the house of the king elvis and so we are to believe that this particular babylon is fairly close in proximity to 
Graceland because they realize, okay, well, if she went anywhere, she probably went to Graceland just right. because she knows it was that Tallahassee. That that's where Tallahassee wanted to go. And he had told her about it over and over again. And so, despite so. him, they're like, I'm going to go there first right. you know, with somebody else and, and leave you guys in the dust. Right. So, they wind up on the road looking, of course, for Little Rock and Berkeley, who Harrelson's character Tallahassee is not happy about in the slightest when he finds out who she's with. He goes, What? A pass? and proceeds to throw a tantrum. Goes into father mode. Goes full father mode, and he's like, all right, we're we're leaving out in the morning. We're getting there back. Let's let's go. We're we're doing this. Which is quite a departure from his character from the first one. He is very, like, they've become a very close-knit family, which is cool. I thought that was... It was neat to see that play out. It was a good progression to their relationships. And I feel like it felt natural, too, in the second film. Absolutely. It wasn't, wasn't very forced. Right. And so they, of course, make it to Graceland, and they realize very quickly that over time it's not been well no. to this area, and Graceland is not graceful at all. And there's really not much left. Right. There's so no caretaker anymore. There is not. And so they realize they need to figure out, and more importantly, they realize that neither Berkeley or Little Rock are there. Right. So they find some housing for the night. It's not really smart to sleep outdoors at night in zombie land. Definitely. And so they come across the Hound Dog Hotel, and... <laughs> And they think that they are the only ones there. Of course, it's built in a way that's memoir for Elvis fans. So they've got Elvis memorabilia, whole costumes, shoes. And that's another funny moment is Tallahassee goes to try on the king's shoes, and they don't fit. The blue suede shoes. The blue suede shoes. And then, of course, Columbus says, oh, are you upset that you don't have the same feet, (laughs) the same shoe size as Elvis, as the king? And Tallahassee tries to play it off like, no, it's it's whatever. It just so happens that Columbus is the exact same shoe size. Yeah, Yeah. Perfect fit, which was a very funny comedic moment because it really annoyed Tallahassee. And and meanwhile, while they're searching this hotel out, making sure that it's safe and everything, they come in contact with a new character played by Rosario Dawson. And her name is Nevada, still going along with the, I don't have a name, we're just going to use the where we're from or, or a place that means a lot to us. Right, and Nevada, played by Rosario Dawson, finds, of course, Columbus, which and Tallahassee. Finds Tallahassee first in the piano room, which again, why you would be playing the piano that loudly in Zombieland. Yeah, it could attract some more zombies, but I digress. Right. So, finds a living, breathing Nevada, and she gets him at gunpoint on the ground and questions, who are you? And of course, Tallahassee fires back, who are you? And she, of course, says, you know, you need to start talking and tell me who you are now. Right. And realizes, oh yeah, she's got a gun to my face. And in a very faint voice, he goes, I'm Tallahassee. <laughs> And so it's just a, a real funny moment. And so, of course, those two start to talk about their love for Elvis, and they're about the same age, and they have a overnight romance. And it makes perfect sense, because I'm sure, you know, in apocalyptic world, there can be lulls. Right. And it's even funnier the next morning, because as they wait and realize that they still have yet to find Little Rock, they find out from Nevada, oh yeah, you're talking about the girl and the guy, Berkeley and Little Rock, they were here, but right. they left for Babylon, this safe haven where there's supposedly no zombies. That's I guarantee you that's where they're at. Right. And just as they're about to head out and leave, we find out that there are additional characters <laughs> that we have yet to meet, and they roll up in full monster truck and get out. Which makes sense. I mean, I would probably want a vehicle it's much a solid, like that. It's, it's a solid vehicle of choice in a, in a post-apocalyptic world. Definitely. Can't knock them for that. And so, of course, a doppelganger gets out for Tallahassee, and I've dubbed these characters as the double-tap doppelgangers. <laughs> right. 
So it's Owen Wilson who is playing the character Albuquerque, who looks head to toe pretty much just like Tallahassee. Same mannerisms, same speech, and so they see eye to eye right away and have this pitter-patter back and forth, and he's like, uh, what are you doing in my parking spot? <laughs> Implying very heavily, and he says, well, I mean, it's my parking spot as of right now. <clears throat> and of course, Albuquerque comes back and says, I mean, I've parked in this parking spot many times. And then, of course, Nevada's character pipes up and says, well, if you don't, both don't shut up and let's figure this out, nobody gets access to the parking spot. And from there, Wichita starts to realize and looks at Columbus and says, are you seeing this right now? <laughs> right. Because this, I mean, they they look like pretty much the same guy. And then at that moment, we see another gentleman walk around, and that is Thomas Middleditch. And you might recognize him from the Verizon wireless commercials in sure. Silicon Valley, and among other things that he's been in. And so he is Flagstaff, and he is the identical doppelganger for Columbus. He's got all of these rules. He's very much a poindexter and just the same kind of mannerisms. And it's funny because instead of his rules, he actually has commandments. Right. And so they start sharing them back and forth and comparing the similarities and so some of those start to take on a little bit of a comedic tone of their own mm-hmm. and so Wichita is just like this is just surreal <laughs> that you both have these these doppelgangers and so they all go back inside and drinks are imbibed and they catch up a little bit and they start to all realize that yeah these T-800s are pretty serious and some of them are on the way and a few of them get a hold of the monster truck and they realize oh let's, let's uh, show you how Albuquerque and Flagstaff get the job done right. and so they go out and they take care business come back in and we don't really get these characters for very long no a lot a lot less time than than i would have expected especially when they were front and center for most if not all the trailers before the movie came out um but they get back inside and they're all talking and and just congratulating each other basically over over taking out these zombies that they just encountered and i don't remember who it was but somebody notices a mark on flagstaff's Nevada that notices, and I believe the bite mark is actually, uh, yes, it is on Albuquerque's wrist. Right. And he goes, oh, no, 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 that was just a tattoo. And they're like, you got a tattoo of a zombie bite? Right. That's kind of random. Right. And then you start to see him get sick and turn, and then they look at Flagstaff, and they're like, you know, Flagstaff, you you all right? And... They are definitely not all right, Flagstaff right. or Albuquerque, because they both transform into this strain of the T-800 right. zombie virus, and they start to just tear up the Hound Dog Hotel, going after Nevada and Tallahassee, Wichita, and Columbus, the whole lot. Right. And so between the four of them, they have to come up with a creative way to kill both of them and struggle mightily for uh, what feels like a, a little bit. Yeah, the fight lasted a lot longer than I would have thought it would, but being as they were, like you said, the T-800 version of the zombies. Obviously, they're going to be harder to kill or re-kill <laughs> being a zombie and everything. But, uh, so, yeah, after they, they get through that and everything kind of settles down, then they decide that they need to go find Little Rock and they need to go find her quick because things have changed and it's a lot more dangerous out there than originally thought. And so Tallahassee and Columbus take off to do that and Nevada decides to stay behind, basically. She's... As well, she said, she doesn't really necessarily have a horse in the race right. and she wants to obviously keep what she's worked for being the proprietor of the Hound Dog Hotel. She very much wants to keep her home. Right. And, of course, Wichita, Columbus, and Tallahassee go up, they mount up, and they take off for Babylon, which ends up being this sort of Bonnaroo-esque commune, I guess you you could call it, where everyone everyone loves everyone. (laughs) 
and you know, hey, peace, love, happiness, all, all the good. But no guns allowed, which is another zombie apocalypse. No guns allowed, really. Doesn't seem like you'd last very long. Doesn't but, okay. seem like it, but they're all pacifists. And for a moment, upon arrival, it seems like everything is going kosher, and there are yeah, actually no zombies for a while. And so, of course, they all make it in. They have to meld. They follow the rules, and they meld their weapons down. A quick, yeah, a quick thing before we get too far into that, going back to them leaving Nevada, you do get a quick little comedic moment where they get in the monster truck and decide they're going to take it, and turns out that Tallahassee struggles to control the monster truck, and so they end up getting back out of the monster truck, and what do you know, the only vehicle that they have available is another vehicle that Tallahassee does not want to drive. I'm glad that you brought that up because it just sparked uh, another movie moment that was hilarious throughout. So their their whole trip to trying to get to Graceland and find Little Rock. Of course, they mount everybody up back at the White House and Tallahassee, Columbus, Wichita, and Madison. Well, they keep finding all of these ideal vehicles to take on this road trip. Right. But to get there, they have no choice but to take a minivan, which right. as we know from Zombieland, the original Tallahassee loathes entirely. <laughs> And each vehicle that they find, they just keep either running into multiple zombies or they have all kinds of vehicle issues to where they just have to revert back to this this minivan. So they just keep going back right. <laughs> to this same minivan. And each time it's, it's more hilarious than the last. Right. And another quick thing, on the trip from the White House to Graceland, Madison comes with them and we come to find out that somehow she gets bitten at some point. It's shown that she it looks like she might have actually gotten bitten on the, the ankle. Right. And so they're they're kind of stopped on the side of the road after she starts getting really sick in the car and everything and she jumps out to go throw up and so they decide that they need to end her that it's too late she's been bitten and Wichita says you know you know if you love something you, you gotta just, you gotta instead of you gotta let it go she says you gotta shoot it in the face <laughs> right. meanwhile I mean obviously she's not liking this person because of her and Columbus's history and so she goes off in the woods to throw up and they have the conversation and decide that they need to end her and then you get that moment again where Columbus is like it needs to be me that does it and so he goes off into the woods and finds her and he has a gun with him and she realizes what's going on and so you hear a gunshot but you don't actually see it happen and Columbus comes back to the minivan and they take off and as they're going down the road they notice an ice cream truck right pull up and of course lo and behold it's Matt's back again and they're all like well wait a minute what right and so she's like yeah funniest thing I wasn't turning into a zombie I just have a nut allergy who would <laughs> who would have guessed that, that nuts are in trail mix <laughs> and of course just a, she drops these you know little ditzy one-liners throughout the entire film and they're all well-timed and well-placed right of course she gets back in the minivan and says you know who would have thought the trail mix has nuts and of course Wichita's like yeah <laughs> who would have guessed right and you know obviously Wichita's not very happy about her being back, but they also both question what was that gunshot we heard if not you shooting her and so you find out that he basically he just shot up into the air and didn't shoot her because he didn't want to kill her and I mean honestly I don't see the point in killing her when they just left anyway so I mean feasibly they could have outran her right with, 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 with a vehicle yeah right so anyway they both or they all four are now in the minivan headed to Graceland and now we're back to where we were originally we fast forward to them all being at Babylon, sans weapons. 
Right. And they find Little Rock, and so, of course, they have their say of, what are you doing? Why did you leave us? What's this all about? She explains, you know, hey, I need to be my own person. You know, I care about you guys, but it's time to leave the nest. And so they all start to have their own conversations of what they want to do as a group, essentially breaking up the unit as a whole. And at that point, Tallahassee realizes, okay, if this is what everybody wants, I've been kind of itching to get back to my roots, lone wolf back on the highway. Right. So I'll use this as, as my exit and great knowing y'all i'm not good at goodbyes so you know adios see you later and so he starts to leave and you think all right well it's like they're all pretty well settled in to babylon but of course that would be too convenient right. for the movie and as tallahassee is speeding off he sees a slew of t-800 fresh zombies barreling towards babylon and realizes okay well plans just changed i, I can't leave them to their demise i have right to, tallahassee has to save the day one more time right because you know there's no guns allowed in babylon so of course he feels that they're just sitting ducks. so he goes back to babylon to warn them of the swarm of zombies that are coming and to help them figure out how to defeat them and the way that babylon is set up is this walled off community and somewhere within the community there is a big tower that they've built for one reason I think is for them to like party and set off their fireworks and all of that kind of stuff and then I think it doubles as a watchtower basically don't know what they're gonna do once they see somebody coming or zombies coming because they don't have any guns or any way to defeat them and but, they're all pacifists right and <laughs> so they don't want to engage but um so anyway once he gets there we don't really see it but they have a lab an elaborate plan of how to defeat them and basically they set up a direct path going up to the top of this tower with a place that just has a walk-off basically of the tower and so one of them leads the walkers <laughs> the walkers leads the zombies up to the platform to this place where they want them to walk off the tower basically and at the end of that spot they have like a crane with a hook on it which that seems very dangerous to me but yeah, that part that portion of the plan maybe wasn't thought all the way through right i think they were assuming a little bit with tallahassee's capability right so anyway tallahassee he runs up this direct path and runs and jumps off of the ledge and you almost think that he's just ending it for, right, for everybody. Sacrifice play. Right. And then all of a sudden he grabs onto this crane or this hook coming from the crane and all the zombies start walking off the side of the, the tower. And so it works for quite a while and then of course he gets kind of tired of hanging there from this hook. And so there's a very tense moment where you don't know what's going to happen to Tallahassee. But Oh yeah, and I mean he's just he's hanging out there quite literally for a little while and then we get two stragglers and we think, uh-oh, right. it's not quite done. And so they're hanging on to his leg, trying to gnaw away. And of course, again, as we mentioned, they're in Babylon. There are no weapons, or so we think. Right. And actually, Little Rock snuck in her Christmas gift. She did. I forgot from about Tallahassee, that. and it was appropriately Elvis's pistol that was found in the White House. Right. And so she's able to cap off those last two zombies, and they pull him back in, and it's a happy ending for our quartet of characters once again. But before that, before we end the podcast, I do want to go back a little bit and mention a moment that I'm surprised that you, you forgot to detail because it was <laughs> arguably one of our favorites that we watched in the theaters. And that was the Monster Truck Rally show by Nevada, who, right. who helped save the day because, yes, they did devise a plan. And that was to essentially use all of the gasoline and oil drums and fire that they had been using for resources there in Babylon, compiled those together with fire hoses filling 
them with gasoline and any kind of flammable liquid they could find. Right. Blew up a swarm of the T-800s thinking, oh, it worked. I can't believe it worked. Right. Until it didn't. Right. And then they just resurfaced and came after them and they started to realize, and really at that particular point in the movie, you thought, oh no. Yeah, they're all stuck in this Is one. this the end of our heroes? Is this the end of, of these four main characters as a whole? Are they going to really have it go out this way? And then at that moment, you get that haunting of the, the monster truck horn. Nevada comes ramping over <laughs> the entryway that they've made for these T-800s to fall under their trap. Right. She picks them all up, and then they proceed to go full Sunday, 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 <laughs> and just have their way. Right. With, she with can, as many zombies as possible. She's clearly able to drive the monster truck a lot better than Tallahassee ever was. And so they get through all of that. And, and then they leave what's left up to the tower and off, right. off the, the cliff, quote-unquote. And it's funny because that's sort of a callback in the movie itself to that mall scene where Tallahassee is giving Columbus a his family history lesson. And he explains that he's got some Native American in his blood and that <laughs> one of their tricks that they used to use to hunt way, way, way back in the day was to round up buffalo and have them charge headfirst at them off of a cliff. Right. And so he essentially implies the, applies the same philosophy to wiping out these T-800s to as a last-ditch effort for them to survive because they're Sam's weapons. Right, that's true. I did forget about that whole little gap there. I couldn't remember if when it was that she brought the monster truck in. But anyway, so they get through all that, and then it's pretty much a happy ending. And where Tallahassee has Nevada now. Wichita said yes. Yes, and then um, I guess, I don't know, Little Rock and, and Dude are still... Oh, so they're, thing, they or? were de- they were definitely done because at that moment Madison and Berkeley kind of look at each other. Oh yeah, you're right. And realize because Little Rock looks at Berkeley and says, "Come on, dude, you're a poser. You've been stealing these songs from the '70s and '80s. Even twelve-year-olds know who you know so and so is." That's true. I forgot like, about that. Come yeah. on, man. You no, we're we're over. We're done. We never were a thing anyway. Right. And so then Madison looks at Little Rock and says, "Well, like, um, is he available?" <laughs> and so then they they become an item. And so, but they are still very much a family in Elvis's pink Cadillac they take off on the road and it ends with Columbus saying and they all ask where do you want to go and he says well why don't we go home and in, in a sense of they're already where they need to be they can right. just go find wherever they want home to be and of course at the very very end of the film there's still like just one little straggler zombie running after him to imply that you know hey they're still in zombie land they haven't killed all the zombies right it's just a, another day in the life in zombie land but they're all together so that's all they need and I will say before we close out this podcast episode that is the end of the film and whether or not they'll do a third movie we'll see uh, I think arguably if they do I hope that they don't wait 10 years again right <laughs> let's hope they don't wait too long Right. Um, arguably one of the funniest moments in the movie is the they go from kill of the week just becomes a little bit boring right. for, for most of them so they have this kill of the year <laughs> yeah. and it is a man in uh, Italy or I'm assuming wherever the uh, or Rome one of the wherever the Linian Tower of Pisa is located I'm horrible with geography I probably should have done the research before the podcast <laughs> but more or less he fools a number of zombies into thinking that it's him and his family it's a bunch of mannequins and then he proceeds to push a lever which then implodes the very bottom right. of the already leaning tower which and is in Pisa but where that is you know jury's still out we'll, we'll have to <laughs> do our research but in, in Europe we'll, we'll say that we know that's at least accurate yeah. and it smashes 
all of them flat as a pancake, and it's pretty epic when you when you watch it in theaters. Oh yeah, it is. And and then there actually is one more scene during the credits or mid credits, can't remember which, but it was like they were just dying to have Bill Murray in this movie somehow, and and so you you do get a quick scene with Bill Murray, but I won't spoil that. I'll let you find that out for yourself whenever you see it if you haven't already seen it. I hope you've already seen it because we just spoiled the whole thing if you haven't. But That's why we said spoiler alert at the very beginning. Again, yeah. Exactly. We let you know before you go. Right. And with that, that's going to end the conversation over the movies. And for the record, I just did some research while we were a little confused there with our geography. Not our strong suit. Right. But we were initially correct. So, of course, the lean tower of Pisa resides in Pisa, Italy. So. Makes sense. You know, we do our research, folks. Right. But that is going to conclude this episode of Nerdy by Nature. And it's one that we've enjoyed. We wanted to make it a little more lighthearted because some of our previous episodes had been heavy with, <laughs> with graphic novels. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it wouldn't be a stretch to say that we both agree this was much needed. And oh, yeah. we, we hope, as always, that you enjoyed the content. And this is just a friendly reminder from your boys. Be sure to like, subscribe, share to whomever you think will enjoy the show or is new to this realm that is the nerdverse. And uh, with that, be on the lookout for our next episode. So, of course, very exciting as we've been talking about in just about all of our episodes since right. we started. Disney Plus, it's finally almost here. And by the time we do our next episode, it will have arrived and be full launch, full go. Uh, expect everyone to take some personal time off from work <laughs> and be watching all kinds of content from a number of different sources. Can't wait, personally, you know, over the, the top with this. So we'll be doing a, appropriately, Disney launch review as far as what content is already readily available and what's to come, as well as a partial review of the pilot for Mandalorian for the Star Wars series that's coming out that we're both very excited about. And so, with that, as always, Sunday off. I'm Agent Smith. And I'm Captain Rogers. God bless.